This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Lady Amanda of House Richardson, Lord Adam the Young Bull of House Parker, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys, and Lady of Jameson, Lord Brett of House Fry, Sir David of House Fraser, Lord Nelson of the Long Isle, Sir Joshua of House Ross, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry. Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into Tyrion 5 of A Clash of Kings. And in our Maester study, we will be discussing the Alchemist Guild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're talking about some wildfire today, Ez. Yeah, right. This is, uh, it, it's, it's interesting. And, and we actually, I think a few weeks back, we're talking about well, we've been talking about it on YouTube, you know, how if things are going to go the same with the Sept of Baylor. You know, we've been trying mm-hmm. to decide, like, is that going to be blown up, etc. So we'll, we'll get into that today because uh, it's it's referenced in this chapter. So I thought we'd kind of really look at the, the pyromancers and, and see what's going on there. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, again, you know, this chapter, uh, pretty similar to how it goes down in the show that those the shots of Tyrion going down in there, talking to the alchemist and seeing the wildfire, which we know he's going to use later uh, in the Battle of Blackwater Bay. But it's a little bit cooler in this chapter, you know, just get a lot more a lot more kind of details about it. Right. And uh, yeah. it's 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 I think it's a it, in the books. I don't it's it. There's a lot more mystery to it, right? Because in the show, they just kind of address, ah, Cersei's been planning it. But why has Cersei been planning it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, I mean, what's yeah. her real kind of motivation there? Right, <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah what was her, what's her end game? <laughs> we should talk about that, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, all right, Ez, how you been, man? Uh, been pretty good, you know. Uh, it's been... Yeah, we're still living in this crazy this this crazy time, and and I we, again I want to wish everyone well, and I hope everyone's doing well out there and taking this stuff serious and and taking care of yourself and your family. Um, you know, so it's been it's been crazy, but at the same time, been getting some stuff done and making the adjustments. Now life seems to be, I I, I guess I at least, you know, all of us have had to either adjust with work or some have been laid off, and and it's just been uh, it's been it's been different. It's been an adjustment, but I've been doing well. Um, I finally figured out how to keep on uh, with my keto. I've been doing some some real solid keto action here recently, Good. and I am stoked. And I got to tell you this too, by the way, I have never been a fan of what is it called, Steltzer water? The 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 seltzer water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've never really liked that. Right? I've always thought, yeah, it's, it's gross. What? Uh, but they have some that is low carb. And it's alcoholic. And I yeah, that's, it's called White Claws. Really good, really good. I I, I was shocked by it. Uh, Sir Matt, you know, sent me uh, that the other day, and I was like, you know what? I'm pulling through the drive-through here. I'm just going to give this a go. And wow, they're pretty good. They're pretty mm-hmm. good. So, oh, I'm hooked. I'm a white. I'm a White Claw guy now. Now yeah, you know. Yeah, it's 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 like the most bro drink. <laughs> That ex- that's out there right now. Oh, dude. Well, I, the, I mean, I, I I went down this rabbit hole of of these types of drinks, and I found you know Bud Light does something too. I mean, like it's mm-hmm. so I got, I got some of those and tried them out. I had the mango the other day. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pretty good actually. Yeah, man. So, yeah. But yeah, yeah. um, been, been okay. Uh, you know, things have been all right over here. Been kind of rainy. Kind of weather's a little you know haywire, but it's all good. I and mean, that's that's per usual for you, right? How's it going out there? Oh yeah, man. It's uh, you know just the rain. So, so that's what goes on out here. <laughs> I uh, yeah. Um, well, I posted a new mead, meat, and cheese episode. So that was definitely a lot of fun. We did um, modern apple cakes, right? So so the book gives you different uh, versions, right? There's always like this is the more medieval version. This is the modern version. Yeah. Yeah, I will advise everyone to always go for the modern version. <laughs> uh, so just always go do the do the modern version. Yeah. Um. Oh my God, it was 
freaking delicious. So got that posted. Yeah. Uh, definitely not keto, but definitely <laughs> uh, delicious. So that we got that posted on our YouTube. So certainly check that out. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. And actually along those same lines. So uh, we'll go ahead and mention it now. Um, as you're listening today to the podcast up on our YouTube channel, you should be able to go check out a new um, Winds of Winter Theory we just posted. So it's about uh, Tom and Baratheon. We wanted to kind of look at mm-hmm. his character and, and really see where where that uh, young man is headed in Winds of Winter. So be sure to go over to our YouTube channel and and check that out. You can check out Mead, Meat and Cheese. And we have uh, several other theories over there. And we'd love to have you. Um, those are just kind of stand up one one offs where we just do, you know, a, a 10, 15, 20 minute video about something we're thinking uh, about in Winds of Winter. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. As and I are just hammering away content on YouTube. Uh, so <laughs> it's fun. One of, the, one of the things right now. Yeah. Just a lot more. I got I got a lot of time. Uh, right. You know. Uh, and so just hammering out yeah. content across the board on all, all of our all of our YouTube, uh, all of our podcasts. We're hammering out YouTube content. So, yeah, yeah. definitely, yeah. definitely check that out. But as speaking of somebody. Yes. Who has a lot of time. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Gur. All right. We always we're always on Gur watch, right? Come wins on. is wins of winter coming out. All I'm gonna say is he's been going nuts on Twitter this week, posting a lot of, hey, listen to this clip from the audiobook, right? Of the uh-huh. audiobooks of the of, of the things. He's just posting them. I don't know why. It's just unusual. He doesn't really post on Twitter a lot, but he's been going nuts on Twitter. So Yeah, what's going on any there? Sign I I take as oh it's it's happening. Right. I, I think we may need to send scouts over there just to kind of figure out, like, like why that particular clip? You know, is, is he writing in wins right now and saying, you know what, I'm just going to do this just for fun, just for giggles. And he's, he's bringing up these old clips. I mean, I don't know if there's I haven't really looked into it much, but anytime he makes a movement or he does something uh, that you know, we always look for the explanation, trying to figure out why he's posting these old, you know, clips of the audiobook. So, mm-hmm. fast. Yeah, nothing, nothing new on his blog. I mean, there was the NFL draft, so that's what he's been talking about. But you know, I st- he he just says hope, right? Is 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 the least? I mean, he could be talking about you know his favorite football team, but I think he's talking about us. So <laughs> there we go. Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. So always on on Gerwatch. Um, if you guys have any more information on him or you, you, you make a connection between what he's posting on, on Twitter and maybe possible winds of winter uh, theories, please let us know. We would love to to kind of entertain some of those here on the show. And and it went with that I need to make an announcement. Um I have a squire. Sir Ezra has a squire, okay? So uh, please welcome Lady Raj, Mistress of Horse. She is going to be my squire uh, next month, and uh, I actually spoke with her just the other day, and she has a couple things she wants to write up. She was listening to our Patreon series where we talk about what was that the 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 uh, most recent Patreon that you did? It was uh, oh um it's yeah so something I found on Reddit talking about the possibility of Young Griff being Robert Baratheon's bastard. It is mm-hmm. awesome. It is a very well put together theory. Uh, talks about how you know Varys says that we know we he, that we he has Robert has about eight bastards on his count. But yep. then if you if you dive through the series, there's only seven that are ever actually named. So who is this eighth one that's out there? And this um, you know, theory that uh, I was I was reading talks about, well, it's probably young Griff. I mean, mm-hmm. for Varys to know about one. And so it's kind of it's 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 really interesting. It's really well put together. Really, really interesting. You know, just a lot of connections you can make um, about what would happen if it were. I mean, then there's. There's, I'm starting to believe yeah. it to be to be entirely honest because oh then it could be the showdown of Young Griff versus Cersei which is really more like Robert Baratheon versus mm-hmm. Cersei because you know yeah. you think about it Daenerys versus Cersei is there really uh you know a strong motive to hate each other there I think that's one of the things they tried to drive home in the final season you know when she kills you know Sandy right so yes, okay, yeah. now there's a real reason for Danny to hate Cersei yeah um so. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. It's pretty interesting. No, that's that's really interesting because we often talk about how the idea is that Daenerys believes that Robert's dogs or his other his men or his boys or whatever you want to call it 
Uh, Tywin Lannister is not one who's who's listed there, you know, and and the, and the Lannisters are not. I mean, although they're there to to kind of um, you know they, they pick the right side, if you will. But but yeah, we often talk about Eddard Stark and and his you know uh, connection to Robert Baratheon and, and and Lord Aaron and things like that. We don't really think about. I guess when you're looking at it from Danny's point of view, the Lannisters, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's Dorne, uh, who has, who harbors a lot of that, uh, you know, ill will towards the Lannisters. So that was kind of cool. I mean, I, I think it was more cool just in that you were looking at like the parallels to like how this would be almost poetic. You know, if you did change that one individual to be Robert's bastard, it then makes young Griff's cu- coming into Westeros, his interactions with, with different people, very poetic and very like parallels were pretty cool. So I, I liked it, and I, I encourage folks to go listen to that one and, and check it out. But yeah, so she had some thoughts on that, I think. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll get together. Um, we're going to play in a day where we have her on the podcast, and we have her on for, for a few minutes, and we kind of get to talk about some fun stuff, whether it's in the Maester's study or wherever, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So so yeah, that's sort of the perk of being the Squire, and you could be a Squire for one month, two months, three months, however long you want. You can just hop up for a month and then you know um, be on your merry way, but uh, it's, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, Ez. Well, let's head on over to the Maester study. going to talk a little bit about the Alchemist Guild today because that's who we're going to be visiting in the chapter. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I actually almost feel like I these guys were once revered. You know, they once had like a bigger role um, under under the Targaryens. They, they were seen as like they, they were elevated in a sense. And they've that now they're. I don't know, like you don't hear about them. They've been um, sort of pushed to behind the scenes stuff. So it's it's the Alchemist Guild. They're also known as the Guild of the Alchemist. And it's an older order of pyromancers. So they were once um, very powerful. Uh, They have, um, they they were, I mean, almost comparable to maesters in in prominence and stuff, you know. And I think that that, that has a lot to do with the Mad King. Um, I think one of his last, hand of the kings was a pyromancer yep i think yeah so so that definitely sh- showed that they had this um this position it at court and and in king's landing that was considered really um you know elevated so um yeah so a couple of cool things about them a full member of the alchemist guild is called a wisdom so that's that's pretty neat then you also have like um apprentices or acolytes who assist them and uh, then you have a grand master who is sort of overseeing, you know, all of this. And they they have other, you know, like they're not just it's it's not just like turning metals into into different you know uh, things or whatever. Their big thing here is is wildfire. That's what they're really known for now. It's something that they still can produce. Um, they they act like and they talk like they have tricks and magic and spells and they can do different things. And that's all interesting. And maybe they can't, Sir Matt. Maybe there is more going on with this guild. You know, when, when they're left alone and you don't have to deal with politics and stuff, maybe they're brewing something more than wildfire down there. I often like to think about that. But but for sure, they have wildfire. And it's fascinating in and of itself. They had, I think, over 4,000 jars of this left over from the Mad King. So he was producing it in, in, a, in a, you know, I mean, massive amounts. So... I think they're on pace, and we'll talk about this later on, to hit almost 10,000 jars of this uh, here here soon. So 4,000 left over. I mean, Cersei's been brewing, you know, they've been working for her, essentially, to kind of, you know, uh, keep this stockpile increasing. And and that's interesting. Like, for what? Is it just because you, you, you want to increase that stockpile in case you need to use it for something, or is there an actual plan? Is, is there a reason to actually use it? Um so I don't know. Yeah. So so they're interesting order. Uh, they um, so the alchemists claim to be able to uh, transmute metals and create living um, creatures of, of flame at the height of their power. So they, they believe they had magic. They had spells and stuff. And we're going to hear about one of those spells. And Tyrion calls it, you know, maybe a, a clever trick. But they definitely are smart. You know, they know what can put out wild, wildfire. They know how it's activated. Um, you know, they've studied the idea of of its making and it's a secret that they've kept which which is which is just cool so they're going to be interesting and and as we go forward in the series there's like in history they're mentioned quite a bit and and we have a lot of information from them in the history so maybe even in the um 
the the new HBO show, the the the, the, the prequel that's coming out or whatever. Like that mm-hmm. might be kind of cool to see um, that the, their role manifest there. But in this series, really, they're here in a clash of kings, and then we will we will talk about them later in a feast for crows. But that's about it. And I I kind of want to speculate. I think one of our our theory videos going forward will be what is their role in Winds of Winter? Correct. I mean that's where where we're looking at the show saying they have a pretty a, you know, like a pretty big role to play. And in, in the series, I mean, they're they're behind one of the biggest events in Game of Thrones history, the Sept of Baelor in the right. TV show, in the TV in, show. I mean, that's huge in, in the TV show, too. And then remember, in season eight, when Danny is destroying the city, you'll see caches of wildfire blow up all around yes. the city. Right. Remember, you'll see like, oh, there's green flame. Right. Um, yeah. In the books, you know, really, we the only other time we see them is. In a feast for crows, right? Remember that's when Cersei is having uh, parts of the tower burnt down, right? You know, she's mm-hmm. like hunting yep. for Tyrion. She thinks Tyrion is in hiding in the castle walls somewhere. Sure. Uh, and she has a Lord uh, Hollowen uh, and his guild of alchemists are employed by Cersei to burn down the Tower of the Hand. Which, which again, I keep saying this. I've said it for the last couple of weeks. Is another. I mean, she goes crazy with this whole Tyrion mm-hmm. thing. She starts to go a little mad. Um, and, and she's going to just burn that whole tower down, hoping he's in there somewhere. I mean, it's just like, wow. You know, it, it's because she, she fears the unknown. She doesn't know where all the secret passages are. You know, the, these areas in the wall, like how, how was her father killed? The whole thing. So, yeah, it's, it's, that's fascinating. And yeah, that's a, that's a time where we will see them used later. In the past, they were also used to sort of, um, well, I think during what, what, one of the things was like the Great Spring Sickness, they were used to burn bodies and to maybe burn out plague. And stuff like that, and try to keep plague down and, and more, you know, containment and stuff. But uh, but yeah, we'll talk more about them in this chapter. But that's just a quick a quick little just um, alchemists guild overview, if you will. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move on over to the reread. Uh, last time we were, or last week, right? We were with um, uh, we were with Arya, right? That's when they were on their way to the village uh, and the, they get caught by the, the mountain and Lamy is killed. And still to this day, just like in season four, you know, with the hound, I don't, I just want to know what, you know, what's, what's a Lamy. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So last time we were with Tyrion, uh, that's when he was meeting with Pycelle and Varys and, uh, you know, Littlefinger. Uh, to give them all different messages and, and plans of of what he wants to do with Marcella to see who's going to betray him. So this week, Tyrion 5. Tyrion visits the Guildhall of the Alchemist to discuss the production of Wildfire, then meets with Sir Cleos Frey about Rob Stark's peace terms. On the way back to the Red Keep, Tyrion passes a prophet preaching of corruption and incest when he finds Cersei waiting in his solar. The pair argue about strategy in sending Marcella to Dorne, which gives Tyrion the identity of the Informer. So, uh, yeah, so a pretty direct follow-up to what happened last time. So, they had warned him to dress warmly. Tyrion Lannister took them at their word. He was garbed in every uh, he was garbed in heavy quilted breeches and a woolen doublet, and over it all he had thrown the shadowskin cloak he had acquired in the Mountains of the Moon. The cloak was absurdly long, made for a man twice his height when he was not uh, when he was not a horse. The only way to wear the thing was to wrap it around him several times, which made him look like a ball of stripped fur. Even so, he was glad he had listened. The chill in the long, dank vault went bone deep. Timmet had chosen to retreat back up the cellar after a brief, brief taste of the cold below. They were somewhere under the Hill of Rainies, behind the Guildhall of the Alchemist. The damp stone walls were splotchy with nitrate, or nit- uh, and the only uh, light came from the sealed iron and glass oil lamp that uh, Holland the Pyromancer carried so gingerly. Yeah, <laughs> gingerly indeed, as would be... He better, he better. Ginger jars, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, like, there's a couple clues in this, uh, in, in the first several pages or, or paragraphs of this chapter where they talk about how gingerly they handle it and also like the roughness of the bowls that they're in. So they're they're kind of, um, you know, when they create these containers, they make sure that there is a grip, essentially, like as you as you hold them, 
Um, they don't want it to slip out of your hands, you know, because exactly. any of that friction or spark or whatever uh, could cause these bad boys to light up. <laughs> and once they light up and they spread to other bowls, if the bowls are next to each other, I mean, here we go. Chain reaction, and that's that's the whole thing. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's cold down there. Um, and actually, I think the idea, too, is as it's almost like a little bit more of a gel. Like, as it gets warmer, it, it sort of um, becomes... I don't know. It, it, it's, it's less of a gel. It's more, it's more liquid. It moves around a little quicker, but like Tyrion, he's, he's inspecting these, these jars and um, he's kind of like, you know, tilting it back and forth and, and seeing how it moves and everything. And it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's kind of oozing is the word that they use, you know, towards the lip. Um, but they got to keep it cold and you know, can't be in sunlight very long. If it's in sunlight no. very long, it's going to boom. It's going to spark. Yeah. It's going to go. Yeah, exactly. They talk about it a little bit here. Um, you know, he's talking about how, yeah, it's just as you said, you know, the color would be a murky green, but he knew uh, he knew. But the poor light made that impossible to confirm, you know, thick. He observes that's from the cold, my lord, um, as it warms, the substance will flow more easily like lamp oil. You know, the substance was the pyromancer's own t- own term for wildfire. They called each other wisdom as well, which Tyrion found almost as annoying as their custom of hinting at the vast secret stores of knowledge that they wanted him to think they possessed. <laughs> yeah, then as you said, once theirs has been a powerful guild, but in recent centuries, the maesters of the Citadel had supplanted the alchemist almost everywhere. Now only a few of the older order remained, and there were no longer even uh, you know pretended uh, to transmute metals. Mm-hmm. But they yeah. could make wildfire. Yeah, they could. Yeah. And that's that's their secret. Like that's their last secret that they're holding on to is is the making of this thing. And it's what keeps them employed and they, they can use this and they're not gonna give that secret out to anybody. Because if the maesters figure out how to use you know, at that point then what what do you need them for? You know, they they're just obsolete. So um yeah, yeah. But what but once powerful and now kind of relegated to this to this role. I mean, you know, like it, I, I keep thinking about like as magic comes back and as these things are, are learned, it, are, is there some scroll down there that, that they can do, you know, like, cause there's a lot of talk about Valyrian steel and metals and things like that, you know? And, and I just kind of wonder if they're going to come back, if they're going to have some role to play, or if there's going to be some, you know, uh grandmaster in their guild, that's going to bring forward some piece of information that could help, you know, turn a sword into this or that or what, I, I don't know, you know, just makes you think you know oh yeah absolutely and it's you know this stuff is like i mean it's 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 crazy to think that there's just this group of people down there just (laughs) making just mass making this stuff i mean it's literally like they're you know they're making they're literally making weapons of mass destruction right yes down there basically essentially napalm right is is what they're yeah is is what it is and they're just down there you know they're talking here about how you know, it will uh, it will seep into cloth, wood, leather, and even steel. So they will take fire as well. Um, you know, then Tyrion asks, why doesn't it steep into the clay as as well? Um, he says, oh, but it does. There is a vault below this one where we stole store the older pots. Mm. Like you know what I mean? And isn't isn't that scary? Right? Those yeah. were King Aries days. It was his fancy to have the jars made in the shape of fruits. Very perilous fruits indeed, my lord hand, uh, and even riper now than ever, if you take my meaning. And it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's <just> like, <laughs> Dang. Dang. Uh, it's like, oh, geez. They said they've sealed them with wax and pumped the lower vault full of water. But even so, by rights, they ought to have been destroyed. But so many of our maesters were murdered during the sack of King's Landing. The few acolytes who remained were unequal to the task. And much of the stock we made for Ares was lost. Only last year, 200 jars were discovered in a storeroom beneath the Great Sept of Baylor. So there's a, hu- there's a huge clue right there. Yep, that, yep. there that there already is a bunch down there. And Cersei knows about it. Um. No one could recall how they how they came there, but I'm sure I do not need to tell you that the High Septon was beside himself with terror. I myself saw that they were safely moved. I had a cart filled with sand and sent our most able acolytes. We worked only by night. Yeah, yeah. so so look, let me jump in here real quick because later on, so you, you've got this, um, I mean, so they're there. They're removed. Like when there's a change in leadership at the Great Sept, you know, when we have, uh, you know, someone else move in there later on, 
could we could they sneak that back in? You know, uh, like like this person was alerted to it and 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 knows about it, right? So it's been removed. Uh, he's freaking out. But like, yeah, I'm just thinking maybe later on. I mean, if, if you don't know to check some of those rooms or those cellars or 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 whatever, if you're if you're new to that position um, of 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 Septon, then maybe you wouldn't know to to go look there. And they're able to smuggle this stuff back in under the Citadel again. Because how does it get back there again? Like if things were to go the same way, you know, or is there other, is there other stuff that's still there that they just don't know about that wasn't caught? You only caught one storeroom. And so you got 200 jars out. Are there more? You know? Yeah. Oh, I'm with you. I think there's a ton all over the city and they don't, they don't, they just don't know where it is yeah. or, or who has it. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's all kinds of bad because we're going to see, I mean, it may, you know, if something similar happens, I mean, what if Cersei blows up the Sept of Aelor and then uh, it causes a chain reaction all over the city that they're not really aware of, right? Or, yeah. <laughs> or that may be another thing. You know, we, you know, again, you know, if you think about the scenarios, right, that we talked about going yeah. into season eight, um, you know, that's actually something that would be interesting for us to really kind of discuss more would be let's look at all the scenarios we talked about in season eight. You know, one of them being, well, what what if, the others come down and they blow up King's Landing, right? So, right. so, and you know that's totally a possibility. Um, mm-hmm. So that is just you know just I'm just thinking back to all of the things we were saying right when we still thought oh yeah the it's the others and the White Walkers that are the biggest threat. So yeah. if that does go that way in Winds of Winter and you know the final book, then okay, then a lot of those things can suddenly become back on the table. So. That's mm-hmm. something that's certainly something to think about with with there being wildfire all over the city. Yeah, that's a great that's a great idea is to go back to before we knew what happened in, in, in season eight. What what were we thinking? Well, I mean, we were making those predictions based upon what we know in the books. You know, I mean, so that's so, sort of the idea. We were thinking like, well, what do we know in the books and, and what are we seeing in the show up to this point? And and where do we think this is going to head? So just because that happened in the TV show. By no means does that mean it's going to happen that way in in the books. So it's all still fair game, right? But yeah, right. yeah. I mean, listen to this. They say you know this morning the wisdom um, uh, Munster told me that we have seven thousand eight hundred and forty jars, and that includes four thousand jars from King's Aries days to be sure. And then they you know they keep talking about them being fruit just because you know Aries the Mad King wanted them. You know, yeah, yes. built in jars like fruit. Yeah. So he bobbed in his head. He says, um, Wisdom Millard believes that we shall be able to provide a full 10,000 jars as was promised to the queen. I concur, you know, and then assuming our enemies give you the time, the pyromancer kept their recipe for wildfire a closely guarded secret, but Tyrion knew that it was a lengthy, dangerous, and time consuming process. Uh, then he's starting to think, well, heck, if you guys could give us 10,000. And we could mm-hmm. really, we could really do something with it. Um, he didn't know whether he ought to be delighted or terrified, but perhaps a smidge of both. I trust that your guild brothers are not engaging in any unseemly haste. Wisdom, we do not want ten thousand of jars of defective wildfire, nor even one, and we most certainly do not want any mishap. You know, there will be no mishap, my lord. Hand the substance is, retar- is prepared by trained acolytes in a series of bare stone cells and each jar is removed by an apprentice and carried down here the instant it is ready. So, I mean, it is at least reassuring uh, to know that they do know what they're doing yep. and yep. They, they are very, they're very meticulous in the way that they do it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was thinking about just the differences and stuff and I can't help, I can't help but to do this. You know, if you do have, as you say, with your whole Robert Baratheon bastard, you know, maybe being young Griff, him coming in, him going to King's Landing, perhaps. And like, if you have any other possible Targaryen individual step into King's Landing, like if you elevate one of these alchemists and you, you elevate them and give them a position back on the council or, or whatever, that wildfire is is yours. It's yours. And and they're going to, they're gonna, you know, I mean, hand it over. They, they've got it stashed in, in secret places. You know they do. And so... It does make you kind of think like uh, right now, sure, Cersei's, you know, keeping us employed and, and stuff like that. So it's her. She can do what she wants with it because she's giving us attention, etc. But if that ceases, it's like it's like who's who's going to keep them employed? Who's going to keep them around and, and, and 
what do they do? I mean, what do you do with wildfire? Like you're going to need a ruler uh, who, who would want to use it. So that's interesting to, to kind of keep um, as we as we finish up our talk here about these pyromancers. Keep that in mind as we go into winds of winter. And as yeah. you said, like with these great battles um, to come against. I mean, it's huge to think that you have wildfire and we didn't use it against, um, you know, the others. I don't know. Did we? I mean, I, I can't remember if it was if they brought any up there. I don't know that they did. Nope. nope we yeah. don't see any. Yeah, we don't see any. So, um, so they 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 kind of just continue their conversation on a little bit there about just how dangerous this stuff is. And then Tyrion says, "You won't mind if I take some, right? You know, you you won't you won't have a few thousand, you know, or however many the guild uh, can spare without interfering with production. It's empty pots I'm asking for, um, to have them sent around, have them sent around to the the captains of each of the city gates." Um, he says, uh, I will, my lord, but why? Tyrion smiled up at him. When you tell me to dress warmly, I dress warmly. When you tell me to be careful, well, he gave a shrug. I've seen enough. Perhaps you would be so good to escort me back up to my litter. It would be a great uh, pleasure, my lord. So these are just kind of, you know, setting that up there. Um, Tyrion's kind of thinking about it a little bit. He says, you know, King Aerys used to roast the flesh of his enemies. His brother Jamie had told him a few stories of the Mad King and his pet pyromancers. Joffrey will be interested in well, which is why I'd best keep him well away from you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the last person you want knowing about this. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's what I was saying. Like the pyromancers, they want an audience with the king. They would love to come to some dinner to entertain him to show him what they can do because, you know, they want to be relevant and they, and they want a position. So uh, I think that's sort of why he's asking that. But Tyrion goes, you know, maybe anyone else, if it were me or, or if there was another, you know, adult ruler, that might be okay. But this, this kid is, is into like watching people fight to the death. I mean, there's something off with Joffrey. So All let's right. not, let's not give him wildfire. Maybe that's why Cersei does it just to keep them busy so that Joffrey does not learn about this. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that that's the thing. Like, is she, I don't know. Was she planning on using it? Because Tyrion, his whole, his whole thing here is that he's going to pass these pots around so they're used to, you know, throwing it and putting it in catapults and things like that, and they're not dropping it. And so you get the men used to this, which is what the Pyromancer says. He's like, you know, in, in the chaos of battle, like, they're not going to be as appreciative of, they're not, are they going to remember that if this falls out of my hand, it's going to, we're all dead up here you know i mean like right he's he's trying to keep that and that's what Tyrion's saying i'm i'm gonna train we're gonna train them i mean we're gonna train them with these empty pots so they're used to handling them and they understand what they're supposed to do with them you know so yeah, yeah i don't i don't but i don't know what, what was Tyr what was uh cersei's plan with with these um maybe that's something i'm dismissing but you know no i don't think i don't think it's actually ever ever specific specifically said um we just know that we just know that she was making them and then um you know, the Sept of Baylor, you know, people that I think you can look later and say, oh, well, she's going to blow up the Sept of Baylor, which, again, may not happen in the books or it may just happen because we know that, you know, there was a big cash down there. I mean, they've retrieved it, but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean there's more. Right. Um, that Cersei that Cersei finds. So and like and like right now, right now, though, I mean, she's not like who is she upset with in King? You know, I, I don't know those um, grievances or 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 issues that she may have like right. they're not going on right now. You know, so like that's the other thing is, is like, I, like maybe she's learned about where these things are. And so you've got that information and something you can use later. If a problem ever does arise, you know, we could have an accident over there and, exactly. and that would handle that situation. So maybe that's all it is. But, but yeah. So. Yeah. Um, okay. So okay. Yeah, their conversation, it goes on a little bit longer. Right. Um, but nothing really uh, big uh, happens with it. They just, you know, talk about how dangerous it is a little bit more. Um, and then, um, you know, Tyrion just talks about how wildfire is too costly to, to squander. And so he, you know, he kind of emerges um, from it and then he meets up with uh, Bronn, right? And so he's been, you know, getting some, he's got some messenger messages and stuff like that. Tyrion's been summoned, right? Tyrion knows the only person who would presume to use that word, that word. And what does Cersei want of me? The queen commands you to return to the castle at once to attend her in her chambers. That uh, uh, stripling cousin of yours delivered the message. Four hairs on his lip, and he thinks he's a man. Uh, four hairs and a nightwood. He's Sir Lancel now. Never forget. So now getting a little bit more about La Lancel Lannister. Uh, and, that, and that he's been summoned. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been summoned because uh, here we go. I mean, so the young wolf is is now um, their cousin has come back. The Lannister cousin has come back and has brought you know terms, and and we're gonna figure out what the young wolf wants. Does he want half the realm? Maybe he does. <laughs> Maybe he wants a lot. There's a lot of things he wants, and it's it's speculated that he doesn't want to face Tywin in the field, and so he's trying to. I mean, he's asking for a lot. And if you go back to what Rob was saying and, and people were like, well, why, why are we suing for peace here? And he's like, they're not going to take it. I mean, he, he also knows that this is something they may not take because it's he's asking a lot. Like, if they give this to us, well, then we get everything we want um, and we're good and we can just move on. But he I don't think Rob believes that they're they're going to just accept this first offer. There's right. going to be back and forth. And, and, and Tyrion knows that, too, because he is asking for essentially half the realm. Right. Half the so, realm, his sister, everything he wants, his sword back, everything. Right. Yep. So, so yeah, that's something he's going to go discuss with, with Cersei. I mean, Cersei is, is furious. Um, just the, the insolence of this, like she's one, what is father doing? What is Tywin doing? Um, why isn't this over? When are we going to get Jamie back? What do you propose to do? You know, that like, like the whole thing, she's, she's just coming after, um, Tyrion. And actually, so I think we should start with first though. I mean, I'm not sure if it happens first or if it happens later, but once he meets with her, right. She's very upset um, about his his recent decision making. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, about about Marcella and Dorne. Right. Because that's you know, that's what he's that's what you know, that's what she's heard from. Yeah. From Pycelle. Yeah. Right. So that's going to come up later because that's definitely something she's not happy about. And then that tips him off to Pycelle. But yeah, so he is. um so it's it's Cleos who shows up, and he's the guy who's running back and forth. And unfortunately, he's going to have to run back to River Run, where where Rob is at, and and bring different. Um, you know, he's he's sort of like this Aaron, this Aaron boy, back and forth. Here are our terms. Here's what we want. Uh, here's here's what we want in exchange. You know, the whole thing. So he's got to recross the war zone. Right. Um. And then now that this conversation though does come up about um. Catelyn Stark, Stannis Baratheon, Renly Baratheon, you know, where are all of those pieces, right, on, on on the war board and what's happening there? And and that's, again, we talked about that a couple chapters ago where Tyrion, that's what he and Cersei are, are trying to do, is is trying to make King's Landing ready for war with these other kings, you know, and, and his, their father is dealing with, you know, the young wolf, the king, the king in the north. I mean, so they've got to be about their own business here, but Cersei, all she can do is she's just, um, she stumbles a little bit because she's just so concerned about getting her brother back. Mm -hmm. She's single-minded in that and also, and then keeping her children near her and safe. Yeah. I mean, she, you can tell, I mean, this is where she's really starting to come unhinged a little bit. Right. Uh, you know, then there's that moment later where they're having the conversation and you know, Tyrion reaches his hand out, you know, to kind of put it on her shoulder and, and she's like, don't, yep. you know, she freaks out. Don't touch me. But uh, I mean, that's, you know, that's the kind of state that she's in emotionally right now. Yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. And he's and, he, you know, he's trying to reassure like they are family and she's trying to, you know, he's trying to help out. And he is in this position. Their father did send him back here for a reason. So she's always been suspicious about, you know, does he know more? Is Tyrion not telling me something? Is she going to like because essentially Cersei could make a mistake that maybe Tywin sent him back here for a reason. It's in the back of her mind that she needs to be on guard, doing what's right, thinking everything through because Tyrion has an agenda here. There's something going on and it would it would suck for her Lord Father to come back and for her to have messed this up and botched this in some way. And because he's not going to put up with it. Tywin will not put up with it at all. Um, the other thing that's happening too is that Tyrion is... This is this is a time this this is a time thing. He's buying time by by sending Sir Sir, Sir Cleos back because he's hoping. Um, I think it's um, I'm trying to remember who it is, but Stafford, yeah, Sir Stafford Lannister is the one at Casterly Rock who is um, building up the garrison and getting everyone ready. There's another army. There's another force sort of brewing, and Sir Sir, you know, uh, King Rob. I'm sorry, knows about this as well, and it's something that they worry about. The longer they sit there. Um, and, and Tywin is just free to kind of do his thing in the southern half of the Riverlands um, and just ravage that land. 
you know, Rob's losing support and they're building another force back at Casterly Rock. So that's a problem. You know, that's a big problem. And, and Tyrion knows how to play this game. He's going to buy more time. Yeah, which and, is huge. And, it's huge. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that, you know, shows, I mean, you know, it, it's so interesting because with Tyrion, you go back and forth, right? Because you, you see him make one genius move and one really smart move, and then he does something incredibly stupid. And you're like, ah, you know, I mean, ah, you know, then it's just that back and forth with Tyrion. But this right here, as you said, it's great, great move to buy more time, buy more time, but buy more men. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and he's wishing, too, that the Baratheons would do the same thing. He doesn't really know how they're, they're, they're going to, you know, um, react. They're unchallenged. They're unchecked right now. And that's what's wild about this whole thing, you know, is that you have these, these, these armies. You've got uh, King Rob and King Renly Baratheon, King Stannis. You know, you're actually outnumbered. But, but for and, and, and then, you know, they don't actually ever talk about him, but Balon Greyjoy is out there and just, you know, has yeah. declared himself, you know, yeah, king, yeah. Right, exactly. And, and we don't, you know, right now, I mean, we, we were hoping that would be a big, that would have been huge if Rob could have secured them. And he unfortunately doesn't know that he's been betrayed. And that's just, that's the, that's the worst, you know, but because again, maybe that's the thing is he's hoping to occupy that, um, that force at Casterly Rock by sending down, you know, um, ironborn ships and sending their fleet to attack along the coastline, uh, which would then maybe, you know, kind of that, that would, um, hamper, I guess the, the Lannisters ability to move their forces inland to back up Tywin and, and then even to protect, you know, King's Landing. So it's, it's kind of a weird thing. They almost, so it's, it, you're, you're in this spot where you've got Tywin's host out here on an Island. And then you also have King's Landing to the South that you have to defend as well. Like, do you give up Casterly Rock? Is that something that you have to maybe can consider? I mean, like you're raising it's, an army it, there, but you know, right? And it'd be it'd be difficult. I mean, it's 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 the same thing that happens to it's what happens to Rob instead, right? Is that Rob loses Winterfell, and now you're in the position of well, yep. we can't go back. I mean, now we gotta, you know, now you're what do we do? Where do we go? Yeah, and, yep. you know, So then you're squeezed. Yes. It, yep. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, one more thing. So we, we were talking about the high Septon and we were talking about the, the Septa Baylor. Um, there is this whole conversation or there's this, um, there's this man, there's this prophet, um, a, a begging brother, right. Who, who is calling, um, he was talking about the red comet. So the red comet is back. Uh, and it's, it's this, mm-hmm. you know, basically it's, it's this cleansing from the father that's coming, right? Is this going to burn people? Mm-hmm. It's going to burn out this, uh, um, the, the, the evil, uh, that is in King's landing and that they've become bloated and foul. And, and it's just making a lot of, um, really bad remarks about the Royals and, and, and about, um, high Lords in the city in King's landing. And so it's just something that's sort of pointed out and it's a lot of foreshadowing, for this group that is growing, that is gaining support. Right. And, you know, it's it's so interesting because, again, this is what we talk about how Gurr, I mean, even here, you know, really at the still the beginning of book two, he is building up something that's going to be huge in like book four. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and book five. So, I mean, that's pretty big, pretty significant. Oh, here's the first little inkling of that, of a group. You know, it's just here's just one guy who sounds like some random guy, you know. But they're about to become a huge player in the Game of Thrones. Yes, yes, they are, and and so this is the small folk kind of, you know, gathering, and and they they have their own interpretation of what this comet means, and they look to their religious leaders, and and this was once a military, like this was a this was a um, a religious group that had a military component to it at one point, which if you look back in the history is that was done away with, and it may be coming back now. Like that's what that's what we're leading towards. So um, they're going to quickly gain support, and that's going to be fascinating to keep our eye on. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, right, okay, and so Cersei and him are having their conversation. You know, did you talk about Marcella a little bit? And Tyrion explains why he thinks it's a good idea, right? Um, just because. Uh, you know, she's talking about like, you know, you're going to sell her off like a sack of potatoes or or something that she, you know, she says. But um, then he talks about, no, I actually think she'll be quite safe. Yeah. Uh, 
in 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 Dorn. I you know, and again, it's a way to build an alliance, right? I mean, if mm-hmm. we could gain House Martell, that would be very significant, right? Because you you know, there's the mountains, but then as you come up the mountains, you go into the Reach. Well, that would totally help cut off or stop Stannis or Renly Baratheon. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that is um. Yeah, it's 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 a really good move, and it's it's dang it's I mean it's also a little bit dangerous, but I mean he does give a lot, and you're you're really just putting at risk potentially, Marcella, and he just doesn't believe that 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 you know she's going to be killed. Um, that that Prince Doran is not going to do that. Now, you know maybe Cersei's thinking about the Sand Snakes, and maybe she's known you know that, that they that they resent the Lannisters, etc., and that's more um, geared towards their father. But, uh, yeah, so she's definitely worried. But, but again, I mean, if Dorne were to back the Baratheons and, and come up through, you know, and it, you've already got High Garden who's supporting Renly. I mean, at that, at that point, they have ships that they could send directly over to King's Landing, and it would just be, it'd be a mess. It'd be an absolute mess right. if they don't, if they're not able to, you know, at least even keep them from doing nothing. Just sit there and don't get involved in this conflict would be, would be enough, really. Yeah. Although, I mean, I mean, if you're Dorn, I mean, Dorn's not really in a position to really have allies with anybody uh, in this. And I mean, in, in this in this situation, because they clearly don't like the, you know, Lannister slash Baratheons um, for everything they did. I then I think they're, you know, so that makes them highly unlikely to want to back Renly or or Stannis. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the only thing is so it, it's like you, you the, the way you look at this and I think if you're Tyrion. They don't really owe, as you say, they're, they're, there's no desire, strong desire to back anyone. But if you're going to give them right. something and you're going to give them a position, that's, exactly. that's, that's where Tyrion wins that, in a sense, is that we don't know that the Baratheons thought about doing this or anyone else is going down there trying to say, hey, let's gain your allegiance. He's saying, and it just shows the, the dire situation that they're in. They're, they're desperate for support and for backing. So they're going to go to Dorne. I mean... And we're going to give up something. We're going to give something, you know, uh, uh, council seats. We're going to we're going to give you Marcella. Um, we're going to try to make a marriage alliance there and build build these bonds. Uh, it's something the Baratheons yeah. aren't doing. So if you're Dorn, you're like, well, I mean, what's it hurt? I mean, you know, we're we're not involved in this, and we're actually gaining something from it. Our strength only increases, and we just sit here and grow stronger, and no one touches us. Plus, we're making these alliances. I think the only thing that could come of it that would be bad is that if they made these alliances and, you know, and then, and then the Baratheons win or whatever, and they're sort of like, all right, whatever. What are you going to offer us now? You know what I mean? Or or if, if Rob wins, okay, we, we didn't send any military support. We we harbored this girl, and, and we kept right. her safe for potential future seats on the council. I mean, that's just politics and stuff. So, so yeah, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I'm trying to think about, uh, let me see what else kind of really happens uh, in this, in the chapter. Go ahead. Yeah. The, the, like the only thing that really happens at the end of this um, is more, there's this uh, conversation about where Tyrion's explaining that Heron Hall prevents Roose Bolton from, from crossing the, the, the trident, right. To reunite with the Northern forces. So those forces are split. And I think that is part of the, the betrayal. That's it's part of the issue is that um, there's not good communication between those two. And that gives the Lannisters an in or a way to possibly send secret envoys or, or, or whatever between Tywin and, and Roose Bolton. That force has been cut off, you know. So, um, yeah, he doesn't have the strength to take Hall or march on King's Landing. And Lord Tywin is... is um, He's just living off of the Riverlands. I mean, so the Riverlands are not even getting like their supply lines are are cut off and they're not growing any stronger. Um, they're they're actually depleting. And so it's a really bad position for Rob to be in. It's almost unfortunate he's not able to just, you know, I, I know, again, it's, it's losing face and stuff. But if you if you could have reunited with Roos and, and that whole thing doesn't happen, and you have the phrase. I mean, is there a way that they could have? you know, won this. It's That's, again, why Catelyn Stark is headed down to Renly Baratheon. That's why she's trying to make that that um, alliance, because they know that they're in a, a really dangerous situation. So that's sort of the dynamic. Uh, and then at the very end of this, you know, t- uh, Tyrion is kind of wondering, or I'm sorry, I think it's Cersei is wondering, you know, what has Lord, Lord Tywin confided 
in Tyrion? What does he know? Um, and and she's she's desperately trying to figure out to keep up to keep up with all of this and 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 to help out in some way. But uh, you know, and he's saying that's his job. He's he's hand to the king. He's going to handle this, and he's he's here to to sort of manage stuff. And they're making plans. He doesn't share any of that with um, Cersei. She slaps him a few times, and he suggests that you know maybe she could do more by. Uh, offering, you know, herself possibly in, in a marriage alliance and, and things. So, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. So that's that's pretty much it, though, at, at, at the end of this chapter. It's, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just more of that dynamic between Tyrion and Cersei. The hatred is there, but yet she's she's hoping, you know, it's I. every time you read this, you, you just keep hoping that Cersei is going to open up to him in some way and, and there's going to be some sliver of, like, he, he would love to be accepted right. by his brother and sister and, and, and to be for them to, you know, like use him. He's an asset. You hate him for what reason? I mean, it's just, it drives the reader nuts because you know that he's, that you, we've seen how he interacted with Bran. We've seen how Tyrion interacted with Jon Snow. Um, we know he has this soft spot for mistreated people and stuff. And he's extremely smart and intelligent and, and studies these things. And his father knows that it's just, it's just so it just drives you nuts, Sir Matt. It drives right. you nuts because we like yeah. Tyrion. I mean, there, that's I mean, why. Yeah, you know. there's, there, I do. There, and there's so much to it. I mean, I think, you know, I think the fact, you know, well, it's obvious. The fact that Tyrion's here to even serve his hand of the king is almost, is kind of indirectly, it's it's really everyone's relationship with Tywin that's the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, the fact that Cersei thinks she's smarter than Tyrion and, but because she's a girl, she can't just rule the kingdom herself, right? No, Tyrion has to come in and help. Why? Because Tywin sent him. And so I think, you know, I think that's a big part of it. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And and he does sort of, um, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, like you, you look at why does Cersei actually agree to this? So it's Tyrion's idea in a way. And he says something like, you know, although she slaps me, she agrees. And she does see that it's it's smart and it is, a good move. And ultimately it does protect the Lannisters, Jamie, her children, all of them. Even though you have to give up something, it's not something she would have done. And Tyrion is the one pushing their family in that direction to make these alliances and it's good for them. So in a way, like you said, it's like yes, it goes back to the the relationship with their father and I think sometimes she's thinking about like, you know, if if I were to can if I were to stop what what uh, Tyrion has put in motion I mean that's going to be a like a bad mark on her like she's she's going to lose points in Tywin's eyes you know um so it's weird because it's also like she's kind of accepting it but then she hates she hates Tyrion because he thought of it first or because he's doing this or he you know she's making it out to be personal and it's not uh but but yeah it's that the Lannisters are just so I mean (laughs) like there's so much going on with them it's so ridiculous and it's just on it's it all it all it all goes back to the loss of their mother and and Tywin's, you know. Um. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely interesting because I think, you know, you just that's the family. That's the one house that you really view as a family. And I think it's just because they are one, they're intermingled the most. Um, like, you know, sometimes when we talk about Stannis, it's like we kind of I you just view him as like, oh, Stannis, just, he's just, he's Stannis. Like, you're like, oh, no, he's Stannis Baratheon. You kind of like, mm-hmm. I almost kind of forget, right? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, he grew up with Renly and Robert. You know, you just kind of forget mm-hmm. that. And then the Starks are so spread out. And then John, you know, may not even really, not John's not even really their brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's just a lot. They're so spread out. But the the Lannisters is like, it's, they're, they're so intriguing because you get to see them interact the most, really, of any family you actually get to see them interact the most as a family. That's a good point. That's a really good point because, you know, Stannis, uh, he always says that he wasn't real close with Robert. Robert was, you know, um, closer with Eddard Stark and they were in the Vale a lot. Renly was much younger. And Mm. so, yeah, that, that dynamic was not really, really there. They're, they're, they're not, um, they're brothers by blood and that's it. I mean, that's, that's it, but they're, they're very distant from each other. So you're right. I think, uh, we see that family dynamic a lot more, um, with the Lannisters, so yeah, and it's just, it's that inner turmoil too. I mean, just uh, you know, I mean, they're gonna kill the, uh, Tyrion, uh, you know, at one point, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, so it's just there's just a lot. So right, all right, all right, great chapter. Okay, as we have a Raven today, 
Uh, so I definitely want to dive into this. It comes to us from Sir Nick. He says, are the old gods actually the three-eyed crow? I really enjoy your podcast and the rereads. I have a rabbit hole I fell in and would like to know what you guys think. It's my understanding the three-eyed crow or the title of the three-eyed crow stretches back about 8,000 years or more. So there's essentially always been a three-eyed crow. Brendan Rivers told Bran a thousand human years are a moment to a weirwood. And through such gates, you and I may gaze into the past. Weirwoods are considered sacred to the followers of the old gods, and the children of the forest believe weirwoods are the gods. Why do they believe the weirwoods are gods? Maybe it's not really the trees they worship, but the person who is watching through the trees. If so, in a sense, would this make the three-eyed crow the old god that is worshipped? Wow. Yeah, this is something, I mean, uh, again, uh, thanks to Sir Nick, you know, I think um, we got a message that he's early on in the podcast going back through some of those awesome uh, follow-up Friday sessions that we had, and so it's it's great that this conversation comes back around. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, we have a lot more information in the histories on green seers, and I know that the wiki page makes a strong connection between the three-eyed crow and the last green seer or what the children of the forest would call the, the, the last green seer. But it, I, I've always been baffled by this because when Bran shows up there uh, to see Brendan rivers, he is, you know, I mean, he's, um, he, he, he doesn't understand that the, the term, the three eyed crow, like it's not something that, that is super recognizable. I mean, they, they don't say that it, they don't really even address it. They just move on and, and they call him the last green seer. And so many times in Bran's dreams, I, I love this conversation because I love to go back and look at what Bran is dreaming about and the types of dreams that he's having. So he's having these dreams where it's either a wolf dream uh, or he's having these dreams about werewood trees. And there are times where the werewood seems to be speaking to him and times where the three-eyed crow is speaking to him in the same dream. And that has always been to me maybe like a separation of the two. And that they're that they're working um, opposite of each other, so I don't know. I mean, I, I think uh, it's it's a great conversation. What what are your thoughts on it? I mean, Sir Matt, we've talked about it for for years now, and uh, I love it. Uh, we have, we have. I do remember that stretch on the podcast where we had like four straight episodes about it, and people were finally starting to get sick of us talking about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. But let's dive into it once again here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that. The three-eyed crow, I'm I'm almost with you. I almost think the three-eyed crow is somewhat separate from the weirwoods and that there is this idea of the last green seer, right? And, you know, Bran, we've talked about it. We've talked about the, the po many, you know, several possibilities of Bran being something more because he has wolf dreams and he has green sight on his own outside of now possibly becoming the three-eyed crow or three-eyed raven in the show so that Bran may be something else. Um, and so you have, you have that aspect to it. Um, you know, and then you look at the children of the forest and the relationship with the weirwoods it's possible, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate that that the long night television show they were going to do got canceled because now I think we could have learned a lot more about that. And who knows, maybe someday it'll get rebooted or it'll you know, there'll be a book or some sort of expanded media on that, um, you know, possibly once the regular series is done, we can get a little more insight on onto this. But for just simply what we have right now, it's still so loose in interpretation but I kind of believe that they're all kind of separate. Um, they're not all like one thing, but um, the three-eyed crow being the god that is that is actually the thing that is worshipped. I think I'm with. I think they're separate. I think yeah, the, the three-eyed crow is its own thing, and that the weirwood is its own thing. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so you know a couple things here in. Um, brand three in a, in a dance with dragons. So one of the things that he he's having this, um, well, I'll, I'll just like the quote is this a thousand eyes, a hundred skins, uh, wisdom deep as the roots of ancient trees, green seers. There is this, 
that they, uh, you know, it's it's very clear that whoever this individual is, and we, it's it's Brendan Rivers, um, Blood Raven, is tied to the Weirwood, um, and so that I think is we could say pretty pretty strongly that that's 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 legit. I mean, the the, the children of the forest they they all worried about the Weirwoods being cut down, um, and and that those were sort of, and actually I love what Sir Nick is saying is that it's not necessarily the werewood that is the god it is this individual who i'm calling the last green seer and who sir nick is calling the three-eyed crow and some people believe those are one and the same um i think it's the green seers and it's these individuals who are in this position where they've been um they've, they've merged with the werewood that they are gods if you will so i don't know like that's that's sort of i guess what maybe they might be thinking of as as a god because then again, I don't necessarily even even understand like the like the three eyed crow is is very much um, we don't really know what that is. I mean, or or where that comes from because there is talk about the third eye being opened um, with uh, is it uh, um, oh gosh one of the Greyjoys, Euron Greyjoy, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. yep, I mean, like that 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 was something that was happening. I I, I don't know. Like like Bran is often. When the werewoods call to him and when when they speak to him, it's a different there's a different connotation associated with those with that calling as there is with this fear and this panic that's associated with the three eyed crow. Um, there's different like literary devices that seem to kind of separate the two, if you will. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's it's something uh, I, I have a whole doc up here on just, you know, um, the three eyed crow stuff and and, right. and what what it is that Jojen is is trying i mean he's calling brand this green seer and i think some people believe that he's misinterpreting um he's very young you know jojen's very young and that maybe he's misinterpreting some of this uh these these dreams that are taking place the three-eyed crow and associating it with uh brandon rivers i just challenge anybody to go back and read a dance with dragons and listen to their response when brand asks, are you the three-eyed crow and the answer is not yes so that's always been what kind of stuck out to me is like, whoa, why didn't he do it? And then just say, you know, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, who's been, I've, I've been appearing to you in your dreams. Well, he has just as a werewood, you know? <laughs> so anyways, I don't know. I yeah. Don't know. I mean, because if you remember, it's the, it's the, the werewood trees exist. And then the green seers go around and carve faces into the weirwoods. So I think there's, I think there's many layers to this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there are, there are. So it's it's a great raven, and and there's it, there's more. I think um, we we could probably prepare another you know Patreon episode on it, and and maybe do even a YouTube video, which which might be kind of fun, just to kind of discuss it more because there's there's a lot um, to kind of piece together. The, the, you you really have to go look. This is one of those. I think it's easier when you just go look at those chapters and you pull out the actual um, quotes, you know, because you can kind of analyze those. You know, what, here's one from Brand Three again. He thought. Um, he had thought the three-eyed crow would be a sorcerer, a wise old wizard who could fix his legs. Um, but that was some stupid child's stupid child's dream. He realized now, and so there's almost this letdown that he gets here, and who he thought was going to be someone who could save him and change him is is not uh, there. Um, yet the three-eyed crow is still going to be. I think is going to be is. I think we're going to see a clear difference between the two in, in Winds of Winter. I guess I'll just put it that way. I think they're okay. going to you're going to start to see more of a separation. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I think I think I think so as well. I think there's going to be some sort of catalyst that causes us to change change our viewpoint because there'll be new information, and it'll be expanded upon further. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know there's so much about it too because like there's the third eye, his third eye opening, and then that does kind of happen and that allows him to do much more. You know, you go back to his first dream and his ability to see. Uh, far and wide, I mean, beyond the Weirwood network, you know, like it seems like that presence of a, of a three-eyed crow can can open his third eye, which allows him to do much more than maybe even like a green seer could do. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Sir Nick, for that raven. Yeah. Thanks okay. a lot, buddy. Yeah. And with that, Sir Ezra, it is time to say farewell. We want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing Chapter 21, Brand 3 of A Clash of Kings. 
Absolutely. If you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a week, and remember that winter is coming.